Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled podcast, uh, fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about to pep or not to pep for 401k plan sponsors. Of course, first things first, that 401 for further information on all our live events, Oakland, Detroit. Hopefully we do it. I, there's no guarantee right now, especially with Oakland's um, five weeks away. I, uh, I, I hope we can have it. I sincerely doubt it. Uh, but go there. Uh, we will also have a national virtual conference in January. Um, we will also probably have a national virtual plant sponsor event. So if you're a plant provider, want to be a part of it, we're going to try to do that. You know, hopefully offer CE for uh, HR professionals, uh, SPHR, what is it? SPHR credits or whatnot. And uh, hopefully we will have that, that 401ksite.com, April 14th, Oakland, May the 3rd, Detroit. Um, and, of course, uh, let's go to the topic at hand and to PEP or not to PEP. Uh, that is the question. Uh, I believe that's Hamlet's. Um, haven't read Shakespeare since high school. But uh, it's an interesting uh, question because... The 401k plant space, uh, the dilemma about PEPs is no different than the dilemma about MEPs. And we, we had a fun-filled um, time for open MEPs until uh, our friends, um, we won't name names, but they decided to go for a Department of Labor advisory opinion uh, on whether their open MEP constituted as a single plan for 5,500 purposes. And it was advisory opinion in 2012. May 2012, um, I kind of remember where I was when it happened. Uh, I wasn't around when it, for the JFK assassination, but I certainly was, was around for that advisory opinion. And I will still to this day, I come from the Morton Blackwell School of Politics, and Morton Blackwell is a well-known conservative advocate, activist, and one of his, his number one golden rule in politics, never give a bureaucrat a chance to say no. So, I, listen, I understand it was a billion-dollar map. They wanted that advisory opinion. But if you don't know what the answer is, don't ask. That's how I see it. Have the Department of Labor audit you and then say, you know what, this isn't a single plan. Uh, you're going to have to fix this and, and whatnot. It's just my two cents. But, of course, everybody knows PEPs. Um, they came into effect uh, way back when with Secure 1.0, I want to say. Uh, it just shows you so many different law changes and whatnot. And really, PEPs came about because the Department of Labor, uh, and it's, uh, it's one of those interesting dilemmas. The Department of Labor really didn't want to offer uh, you know, open maps. Uh, they, they, they came out with, uh, you know, that advisory opinion in 2012. You need commonality between adopting employers. And then, if I recall, Trump was president, required the Department of Labor come out with some guidance, and they were consistent. They said, you know, you, you need commonality. So it took Congress to pass legislation, and President Trump at the time signed it, and allow for pooled employer plans. Which is funny because if you recall history, in 2012 it was the Department of Labor who 
implemented fee disclosure regulations because Congress um, failed to, to, to pass it. So obviously, uh, a pool deployer plan is a little bit different than a MAP. It's essentially a MAP, but with a pool plan provider. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a mechanism for somebody in charge and to somebody absolve the liability for adopting employers, which we didn't have with MAPs. It was still up in the air whether, you know, fiduciary concerns we had for adopting employers. It was never really concrete because, you know, as the Department of Labor would probably reason, open MAPs are just a figment of the imagination of an ERISA attorney who tried to shoehorn multiple employer plan into a single employer plan space. Um, obviously, a pooled plan provider is a fiduciary, charge of the plan, uh, charge of hiring and firing plan providers. Note that for um, pooled plan providers, uh, it's still up to the adopting employer. Uh, it's still their responsibility to vet the pooled plan provider. So if we have another Matt Hutchinson, if we have another Jeff Ritchie, who are in the pool plans provider space and they steal money, well, the adopting employer has some liability um, as part of the equation. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a pool plan provider and I don't plan on stealing retirement plan assets anytime soon. Uh, a, it's wrong. B, I'll never understand why a fiduciary would steal plan assets because, you know, there's obviously a record of theft. Uh, you know, uh, if I'm running a plan on Matrix or Fidelity or Vanguard or whatever custodian I'm using, uh, they're not going to be in on it. They will show where the money went when it's missing. And eventually, uh, maybe a year or two or three years or whatever it is, eventually it's found out. You, you can't, you know, even Bernie Madoff can only pull off his Ponzi scheme for so long. Eventually, it, it you know your luck runs out, and people ask too many questions, and that's really what happened to Matt Hutchinson. I mean, Matt Hutchinson it was a dentist in North Carolina who sensed something was wrong, reached out to the Department of Labor, and they started investigating him. And of course, as the story goes, that was the the money that was supposed to go into my MEP that the dentist had that was stolen by Matt Hutchinson from another MEP. Um, I don't know if he was using the maps as a shell game, but he had three maps and whatnot. But obviously, hiring a PPP is a fiduciary decision, so choose wisely. Cost savings? Uh, maybe. Um, you know, the idea behind PEPs, uh, you know, again, I think if people look at cost savings, and until pool deployer plans reach assets of critical mass, and I always use that term assets of critical mass because it reminds me of the guy in charge of the company that took over my TPA. He was in the business of aggregating RIA firms and TPA firms and whatnot, and he used to always talk about critical mass uh, before they would go public. And, of course, they went public way longer after they had promised. They said, well, we'd be public in five, six years. I think it took ten years. Well, whatever it is, you know, the idea behind PEPs are just like the idea behind MEPs. You buy in bulk. It's like Costco. Uh, we are a big Costco family, um, which is funny because uh, I, I was a member of Costco when I first, uh, you know, starting out and whatnot back in, you know, I, I had one, you know, 
I, I had a side business, so I, I had the business membership, and my wife and I were members. We weren't, you know, we didn't have kids at the time, and then we let the membership lapse. <coughs> and in about, you know, four, four or five years ago, I think it's been that long, they were opening up a Costco literally three minutes from my house. And, uh, you know, the funny story, part of it was I wanted to join, and my wife's like, why are we joining Costco? What do we need at Costco? And I want to say that my wife is the biggest Costco maven on earth. She loves Costco, so I always throw it back in her face. Oh, why should we join Costco? I want to say that when, you know, they've been, uh, my wife and my kids have been on several of these that 4K conference trips, and, you know, it's going to be sad that it's going to be over. Uh, for the most part, but, you know, in certain locations, like, you know, uh, we were in Minnesota, we got off the airplane, get the car, the first stop is Costco. Uh, that's where I got the phone call from uh, my buddy Warren Green about, uh, you know, uh, it was a question of where did Tony Oliva had to show up for the event and whatnot, and I got a, got a phone call there at Costco. Uh, yeah, Costco, uh, my wife loves going to different Costco's around the country. Uh, they all have different, uh, you know, um, different foods, different uh, products. You know, you go to Ohio, they have Ohio State gear. Not that I needed any of that stuff. You know, I think I think my son got a Tampa Bay Buccaneers shirt one last time we were in Tampa or whatever it is. Um, and, of course, there are differences. You know, in, in Florida, the, the, the wine is sold in the store. And... Uh, my wife did buy wine that we carried in the uh, in the luggage, and of course, another funny part of the story was when we had a trip in Atlanta last year. Uh, she found a La, La Crusade Dutch oven uh, that was like hundred fifty dollars off, and she actually had to buy luggage to uh, ship it back to New York. Okay, so I digress there, but yeah, the idea behind Peps—you buy in the bulk. Like Costco, you join together. It's a collective. Uh, in terms of um, what, what's interesting about you know Costco and all that stuff is um, in New York, uh, at least Long Island. Uh, unfortunately, the shop, supermarkets are dominated by Stop and Shop, and King Cullen is nearby. But you know the best supermarket right now is Shoprite. Uh, uh, Wegmans is opening up in Suffolk County sometime, hopefully before I move out of Long Island, out in Lake Grove, right by my alma mater, Stony Brook. But ShopRite uh, is a supermarket, but unlike pretty much any other supermarket, except for maybe Food Town and Key Food and all that stuff, uh, ShopRites are independently owned supermarkets that join in a cooperative no known as the Wakefern Corporation. So if you go out to the ShopRite in Comac, that's different from the ShopRite, different ownership than the ShopRite in Uniondale. Uh, they all join together. They're members of the Wakeford Corporation. They share marketing. They share buying power and whatnot, and that's kind of like a PEP. So I would say a PEP is more like ShopRite than it is Costco. But in theory, PEPs are supposed to be cheaper. Again, in theory. Until plans achieve again, the size of critical mass, 
I don't think there's going to be that much cost savings. I I I worked on quite a few peps. Some uh, are my are, are where I'm the PPP, and a lot of them are not. Um, I'm agnostic. Somebody wants to bring business where I just draft the the paperwork for someone else to be the PPP. That's fine. Uh, other ones, you know, that I serve as the pep. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to get that quarterly check, and with one plan in particular, I get a monthly check that. Uh, Certainly pays off my Amex bill and then some. But anyway, you know, there are some cost savings, especially, you know, audit related. Uh, but, you know, the audit rules are kind of different on a PEP. Uh, if you already are paying for an audit, if you join a PEP, the PEP will have an audit as a result. Because a PEP, the requirements are a thousand. You need a PEP, uh, you need an audit when you have a thousand participants. Or any company that has a hundred or more, and of course that you know we just have this new change where now we only account people with account balances as part of that 100-120 threshold. As far as PEPs are concerned, I don't think that many have really achieved um, a, a big size. Wild um, Himbaugh, who's been at quite a few of our events, he's got a PEP of his own, and he told us in Las Vegas last year that. You know, about a dozen peps probably close the door. It's probably more than that. And, you know, in my mind, cost savings hasn't really been a thing for peps. Uh, I see it more as um, fiduciary outsourcing. I, I think that if, uh, you know, plan providers want to sell that fiduciary outsourcing piece, I think that's the best model. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, a PEP is not a great uh, choice for everybody. Uh, that's how I see it. I, I've never, I've never seen, um, you know, a retirement plan feature that is the right fit for everybody. So, I love New Comp. New Comp doesn't work for the company that can't afford to make employer contributions. I love New Comp. I love Safe Harbor. The idea that we don't have to do compliance testing for deferrals and match. Uh, I like that. But not everybody can afford Safe Harbor. And you may not need Safe Harbor if you you know, pass with flying colors. You got a law firm and everybody can contribute because everybody's paid well. But, you know, it's, it's a great spot for small plans or even larger plans. You just say, you know what, I, I don't want to deal with the headache of having a retirement plan, let someone else do it. And listen, it's it's uh, it's it's like with anything else. I mean, you know, uh, I, I remember with the pandemic, how you know, again, going to Costco. Um, I mean, it was you know, it's like it's funny. I, I survived. I'm, I'm sitting here where there was like five feet of water downstairs after Hurricane Sandy. And I have to say the most depressing time wasn't that. It was in the pandemic, um, standing outside Costco, wearing masks, wearing gloves, just hoping that they had, you know, Clorox wipes. And it was just, it was, you know, depressing time. It was like in March and April and, uh, you know, it was, it was so depressing and you're outside and whatnot. But, uh, as part of the pandemic, you saw a lot of people, you know, do Instacart. 
Uh, I've never Instacart in my life. I don't think I ever will Instacart. Uh, Uber Eats, you know, uh, people are too lazy to go to a store and pick up their own food. I've used Uber Eats a couple times. I, the only times I actually, I, there were three times I think I used Uber Eats. Two times when we had the very first that 4K National Virtual Conference in 2021. Uh, kids were home during the mid-semester break and, uh, you know, they needed to eat, so we used Uber Eats. But, you know, they're popular. These are popular things for some people. I, again, I, I don't, I don't do Uber Eats. I always have this weird thing that if I have delivery, my food is going to end up being cold. Um, but again, that's the idea behind Peps. Let somebody else handle it. I, I you know, I, I, it's enough running a business and dealing with employees on a day-to-day -day basis and customers and all that. Take your 401k plan. Take our, our 401k plan. Deal with it. We're, we're part of it. And, you know, you handle it. You have a 338 help, helping us with investments and whatnot. And so, uh, you know, it's it's a great, you know, opportunity for those, you know, employers that want to offer a 401k plan but just don't want to deal with the hassle and burden of it. And I think that a PEP is the greatest idea for uh, plans that are forced. Uh, you know, you have a lot of states and localities requiring retirement plan coverage for employers uh, to offer, you know, a plan of their own or to join the state program, which is pretty much a simple IRA or whatever it is. Um, I think that's a great place for somebody to join a PEP because I don't believe uh, that, you know, employers and participants are going to like having the state involved in retirement plan coverage. We all have a jaded opinion of Social Security. If you recall, Social Security was the Retirement plan system instituted with payments at age 65 when the life expectancy, I believe, was 66 in the, in the, in the 30s. Um, obviously, we see that, uh, you know, there was never a trust fund for security. Uh, it's just an IOU from the government, and, you know, people are living a little bit longer. That's got a lot to do with the system. Uh, it was fun when people were living into their early 70s. It's costlier and costlier when people are living to their 80s. Um, you know, you look at some of these people. I mean, you know, my mother-in-law, may she rest in peace, she, she, she died about five years ago. She lived to the, her late 80s. And, you know, she was not a woman who took care of herself. She was on, she had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. And, 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 and you know, she lived to her late 80s. People are living a lot longer. Um, and when I say this, I hope I, I don't drop dead at, at age 50, you know, 51 or whatever that's coming up. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's different and, and people are jaded and they don't want to deal with, uh, the state having, uh, any say in the retirement plan programs and whatnot. So I, I think that PEPs are a tremendous opportunity for plan providers to offering it to employers that, uh, have to join a plan and for employers that have to join a plan and, this is a uh, this is a chance for them. Last but not least, one of the reasons I think the PEPs are not the right choice for everyone is is, is control. I, I think that people don't understand. You know, I, I think I understand human behavior a little bit better than other people. It, listen, it took me years and years to get it. Uh, you know, I, I look sometimes. You know, it was always. 
just being astounded sometimes, you know, when you're at, you know, uh, at the semi-prestigious Long Island law firm, and like, you know, partners would get 50 cents on the dollar for every dollar I got from providing legal services to their clients, yet nobody wanted me to, you know, offer ERISA help. Uh, it didn't make any sense. It was irrational. But I learned, you know, human nature is this was a law firm made up of a lot of sole proprietors, and they were very possessive of their clients. They didn't want to give up control. And that's the same thing with employers. Employers uh, who have existing plans, who, you know, maybe have a two, three, four, five million dollar plan, and where a PEP would probably be, make, make great sense. You may have plans and employers that say, you know what, we don't want it. We want to have control. And again, going back to that semi-prestigious law firm, uh, the HR director, uh, Pat, uh, you know, she was awful at what she did in terms of running the plan. Um, you know, she didn't have a financial advisor until I came along and told her to get one. Um, but, you know, when I gave her the idea of, uh, you know, advice to talk to, she hired somebody that I didn't recommend. And she changed the TPAs without letting me know. And I was the ERISA attorney who knew a thing or two about 401k plans. And I always say that that is the only time, that the, if you ever see the time where I was ever insulted as an attorney, and a lot of times you're insulted as an ERISA attorney. I mean, uh, there, there was, a, you know, when you have other attorneys say they don't want the client to hire you, they don't know anything about ERISA because they're not ERISA attorneys, you, you, you understand that. But with Pat, she didn't want to get a give up the control, even though she always made bad choices. And I understand that there were bad choices because years later, um, I got the call from some accounting firm when I had my own practice to look at the plan because there was something going wrong with the with the safe harbor or, or something. I, 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 I understand there was something – I was told um, there was I, – I, there was something wrong with the plan, which didn't make any sense because it was a safe harbor plan and had new comp, and I don't know what went wrong. And the other trustee, Jack, said, Ari, you know, can you come? And he didn't remember that I actually worked for the firm. So he asked me to come down, and I said, okay, uh, we'll schedule an appointment. And then, of course, he called, and he spoke to Pat, and Pat remembered me. Uh, Listen, you write a lot of articles. You know, they'd read these things. You know, J.D. Supra... Those articles are out there. So uh, he said, oh, uh, Pat can't meet you now. Well, we'll reschedule. And, if, you know, I think it's five, six years later, I, I still haven't heard back from them. So, um, you know, again, it's all about control. And they're going to be adopting employers. And they're going to be, you know, again, play, and they're not going to be adopting employers. They're playing sponsors who won't become adopting employers because they don't want to give up control. And that's a huge thing. Um, I'm a control freak. I like to be in control of things. So I understand why employers uh, wouldn't want to join a PEP because they want to have, you know, they want to be, you know, the buck should stop with them. And uh, whether, you know, a PEP may be a great choice for them, but that control to them is more important than anything else. So that concludes this episode of that 4K podcast. Uh, tune in next week for another episode. And of course, go to that 4 for information on all our events. We have, 
This episode drops on Friday, so Thursday we've had the virtual bunch. Right now we only have a couple people signed up for it, but we'll still go ahead with it. And uh, like I said, we're probably going to have a planned sponsor for sometime in September or October. And uh, we'll see. You know, I'm still thinking about maybe doing a Yankee Stadium event as some sort of semi-finale of that 4K conference. We'll think about it. Um, it, well, you know, it was going to happen for June, but it, it's certainly not. We're now going to be near April, and I just can't run an event with that, you know, few, few you know, time and whatnot. Maybe we'll try it for September. We'll see. But anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, hope you tune in next week for another episode of that 4K podcast.